Good morning. Man, y'all a second service. Y'all can do better than there. Third service. Wait, wait, third service. Good morning. Would y'all rather me say afternoon? Some of y'all, this is afternoon. Man, it's so good to be with y'all. Uh, my name is Derek. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Bayou City Fellowship. If you're a guest, we want to welcome you. Uh, we hope that you have uh, been greeted well, feel at home here, and most importantly, we, our prayer this week and every week is that you would encounter the living God today. Amen. And so today we're going to continue the Advent series where we're looking at the coming of Jesus. That's the Advent, this moment where Jesus came into the earth. And so we're building up week after week, getting to kind of the climax where Jesus is born on, in Bethlehem. And so today we're going to continue to walk in that. Uh, this week uh, I was driving my, my trusty Honda Accord. Anybody else a big Honda fan? It's God's anointed car, I think. It's so good. So trusty. Except this week. Uh, this week, my, 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 my favorite little Honda uh, started to have a little whine, and it kind of had like this high-pitched kind of scream, like, anytime I'm driving it. And you know, as a man, you're like, man, I should probably get that fixed, but, but Lord, just anoint this car and protect it, and I'm going to keep on driving because i got a busy schedule. And so I kept driving my car, and then the midweek came, and my car's still making this, kind of, but it's still driving all right. And then I think it was probably Wednesday or Thursday, probably Wednesday, I think, uh, I'm at a stop. A light and my car is doing this little whining thing and uh, the engine almost dies and I'm like oh that's not good and so I'm headed somewhere so I go ahead and drive and I back in you know like any man we back in when we can right just to show off that we can park our car and so I back in and it, without even thinking I shut off my engine now what I don't tell you is that my my battery light came on right before I shut it off, and so I, I, I committed the cardinal sin. This guy's like, man, I'm going to take your man card away from you. Like, you knew you shouldn't have turned off your car if you saw the battery, right? Like, you just don't do that. But I did that. And immediately I'm like, oh, oh, what did I just do? And so I'm like, okay, turn my car back on and crickets. Nothing. Silence. And so I'm like, oh, man. So I called my wife up and I said, hey, babe, the jumper cables are in the back of the van. Would you meet me in about an hour? I've got to go in and do something here. Would you meet me outside? And so I go in and have this meeting. And, you know, like any man during a meeting when your car is broke, what am I going to do? I'm going to Google what's wrong with my car. And so uh, I looked up whining in my car, which is just funny to type in Google. My car is whining. It sounds like my kids. Like my kids are whining. What do I do? No, my car is whining and my battery light's on. What's the problem? And so I, I ascertained through Google, which is just an amazing thing. Uh, that likely my alternator and my battery are completely fried. And so I said, okay, that's probably what it is. So I go outside, and I'm like, Lord, would you just allow me to start this car? Like, the grace of God is poured out right now. And so I get in my car, turn the key over. First thing, the noise starts, and then I turn it over, and it kind of, and then it turned over and actually started by the grace of God. It was awesome. And I'm like, praising Jesus. I got worship music in. And I'm like, God, I'm going to take this straight to the mechanic. I'm not even going to stop to eat lunch and I'm going to get a burger. Like, I'm going to go straight to the mechanic. So I take it to the mechanic, and as I pull in, my car almost dies again. And so I pull up in there. I didn't turn it off because I'm like, this guy can't move this. Like, I just left it on. I went inside. I said, hey, Hey, you know, my man card, I'm trying to restore it. Hey, I think I know what's wrong with my car. There's an alternator problem and a battery problem, and can you check it out? And so I leave. I walk down to a cafe. About an hour later, he calls me up. Hey, you are right. Your alternator and battery are completely fried. What do you want me to do? Well, let me see here. <laughs> my car is dead, and it's at your shop. Let me come get it and walk it to another mechanic. No, you fix it. 
And, and by the way, you charge me whatever you want to charge me because you know you got to fix my car now. And so he said, hey, this is what it's going to cost. And I said, right, is there any like, online discounts? He's like, no, that's it. I was like, all right, you win, white flag, I'm going to pay for it. And so he fixes my car. Now I say all that to say, when is the last time you considered and gave thanks for your alternator and your battery? I didn't until it was lacking. Now, when I went out to my parking lot to get my car, my car looked good. I mean, it was looking good. My car, my Accord, this beautiful Honda sitting there. It looked good. And I got in the car. Everything looked normal until I got in and I tried to start. And when I tried to start it, not this is before the mechanic, before I took it, there was no power. There was no energy. Therefore, there was no, going to be no movement. See, my car could not function as it was designed. It could not meet the purpose of me owning a car to get me from point A to point B because it had no power source. See, my, my alternator and my battery, I, I didn't give it a thought. It was more this background until it was gone, and then I realized, wow, that's where the power is coming from. If I don't have this, I don't have any power. I don't have a car that's worth anything. And I think as we look at the Christmas story today, I want us to look at you know, what are some of the things that are happening behind the scenes, that not the main, but what's happening on the side. Now, now, we're in a church that we love Jesus, amen? And we know, thanks to some really smart kind of hipster guy that probably came up with this, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? We, we lift up Jesus during Christmas. We lift up Jesus when it's not Christmas. We are a church that says we're following Jesus 365, 24-7. That's what we want to keep our eyes on. And so hear me, uh, the song we just sang, uh, no beautiful name, more wonderful name, no powerful name. We lift up Jesus above everything else in this church because we believe that's what scripture is. But when we look at the Christmas story, I, I think we also see some other players involved in the Christmas story. And we talk about a lot of those. I think last week y'all talked about some. So we talk about Mary and Joseph, right? Key players to the Christmas story. We talk about the wise men who were summons from afar. They saw the star, and they followed, and they came to baby Jesus. We talk about the shepherds that were in the field, and they were summoned by angels, and they go and they see Jesus. We talk about Gabriel, the angel, who came with a message for, for Mary and the, and, the, and the shepherds. And they, we talk about all these things. But, but I think, like I missed out on the awareness of my alternator and my battery, I think we, if we're not careful, can miss out on another presence that's throughout the scriptures, specifically talking about the birth of Christ. And that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know we're talking about Christmas here, but, but I don't think we can get to Christmas and not talk about the Holy Spirit if we look at the text today. And so today, uh, I want you to grab your Bible. We're going to be all over the scriptures today because this is not Derek's word. This is God's word. And so we're just going to open it up and we're going to walk through. And so if you have a Bible or if you have a Bible app, like turn off ESPN right now and go to your Bible app. Uh, there's, the NFL is going to happen whether you're watching it or not. It's going to happen. Your, your guys will score fantasy points later. It's good. But open up your Bible app or your Bible. I want you to be in Luke chapter 1. And if you have, uh, if you were given one of these, uh, this listening guide, I want you to pull that out and grab a pen. And point number one, I want you to write down the Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' birth. The Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' birth. Now, before we get to where you are in Luke 1, I want us to take a step back uh, a little bit further from where we begin at Christmas. I want us to step back about 700 to 750 years prior to Jesus' birth where the Messiah was prophesied about, where, where there were some men who spoke, were mouthpieces for God, and they spoke about what would happen in the future, that this Savior, that Messiah, this, this Christ child would come in. And I want us to see that the Holy Spirit not only was part of the Christmas story, he was part of the preparation for the Christmas story. And so we see in Isaiah, I'm going to have it up here, 
Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah writes, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which we talked so beautifully, Brenda. By the way, Brenda, I would love to see you preach sometime. Like, you brought it this morning. Thank you so much. Like, that was so good. Yeah, somebody clap. Come on. Come on. So, so Emmanuel, as, as Brenda talked, is God with us. And so this was Isaiah. He was prophesying about a coming king, a coming Messiah, would be born of a virgin person, who would, and we would call his name Emmanuel. And so we see this is preparing us for Christmas. But now we see the Spirit's role in this all the way 700 plus years ago before Christ was born. Yeah, this is what Isaiah writes in 48, 16. Draw near to me, hear this. This is Isaiah speaking. From the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his Spirit. You see that S? It's capitalized. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. So, so we know the prophets proclaimed the future and what would be under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. And not just Isaiah. We also see another prophet, Micah, about the same time that Isaiah was writing. Micah writes in, in 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphra, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth to me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. And so here we see what we know is the prophecy of where the Messiah would come from, and that's Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was just a little dot on the map. Probably wouldn't even have a dot because there were just a few hundred people lived there. It was kind of a working class town. Nothing. There's no fanfare. It wasn't a destination uh, place to go for your vacation. It was just Bethlehem, little Bethlehem. And what Micah writes here is that there would be a ruler that's going to come out of there. And it's going to be Messiah. See, another prophetic word. But here's where the Spirit comes into Micah 3a. Look at what he says here. But as for me, as for Micah, I am filled with the power when the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgressions and to Israel his sins. And so we see Micah is prophesying under the power of God, under the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit was present as Micah was making these prophecies. So we see not only is the Holy Spirit present at Christmas, at the actual birth of Jesus, but we see all the way back 700 plus years, the Holy Spirit is stirring, preparing. And then if you're in your Bible, Luke chapter 1, we're just going to walk through a bunch of little verses here. And to see where was the Spirit at in the midst of the Christmas story that we're celebrating here at Advent. First look at chapter 1 of Luke, verse 15. Now remember, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were old, older or advanced in years. They were past childbearing years. And the, the, the angel showed up to Zechariah and said, hey, your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a son. Now this was a big deal. And then the Gabriel, the angel, starts telling him uh, what's going to happen. In verse 15, he's telling him about his future son. And Gabriel says, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with what? The Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So we see John the Baptist and his mother's womb. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we see Elizabeth. Flip over to to verse 41 in chapter 1. Now his mother, Elizabeth, it says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, consistently we see this. So, So John the Baptist, the baby that was prophesied and was told by the angels that he would be born was filled with the Spirit. His mother was filled with the Spirit. What about Zechariah, the father? And we see this in verse 67. 
So John the Baptist is born. Zechariah can speak again. And this is what he does as soon as he can speak again. And it says in 67, and his father, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So, so these events that were happening right before uh, the Christmas story, right before the birth of Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit woven throughout the entire story. And it wasn't just these peripheral people. We also see Mary herself. Now, if you flip back one page and, and look at, at verse 31 through 33, we'll see that, that the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Hey, Mary, God has had favor upon you. And you're going to have a baby, and that baby is not just going to be any baby. That baby is going to rule on the throne of David forever. It's going to be the son of God. And, and Mary says, hey, Gabe, wait a second. What was that? I don't know how angels do health class, but you might have missed that lesson, like the birds and the bees and how that works. How can that be that I'm going to have a child if I've never been with a man? How is that possible? So Mary asked a question that we all want to know is, how is it possible to conceive a child and birth a child if I've never been with a man? She asked a great question, and then look at what the angel says in response. Verse 35, and the angel answered her, look at this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, I wish I could tell you the X's and O's of how this happened. No person can tell you what it looked like for the Holy Spirit to come upon Mary and to conceive a child. All we know, it is one of those mysteries of our faith. It's one of the tenets of our faith that we believe Jesus was conceived to a virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit played a very key role in the conception of Jesus. Now, Now let me be very clear so we're all on the same page. Jesus never had a beginning. Revelation says that he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Colossians says that everything was made for him, by him, and through him. So Jesus was always and is always and will always be. Amen? So Jesus was at the creation of the world. He spoke the world into existence. The Spirit was there hovering over the water. The Father was there. Perfect community. Jesus does not have a beginning because he is fully God. But Jesus, wrapped in flesh, did have a beginning. We see this, that, that the Spirit was, came upon Mary and conceived in her Jesus. So Jesus stepped out of heaven, his eternal dwelling place, into time, into our reality. And he was born, he had a starting point, Jesus in the flesh had a starting point in Mary. And it was by the Holy Spirit. Now, now why is this important? Here's why it's important. It says here, because the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus, he is the holy and most high. It says he is the holy one. So listen, when you and I are, are conceived and born, we are born with a sin nature already. That's why David in Psalm 51 says, uh, I am a sinner in my mother's womb, and, and, and sin was I conceived. That means all of us, every single one of us, even Curtis Jones is a sinner. All of us are. But because Jesus was not born of a man and woman, he was born of the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not inherit our sin line. He is holy. He is perfect. He is without sin. And so we see the role of the Spirit. He was there to conceive Jesus. And then just a little bit after his birth, uh, the birth of Jesus, 40 days later, Mary had to go through a purification process. And he had, she had to present Jesus 
the baby Jesus in the temple as a sacrifice, as saying this, I'm going to give back to the Lord. And so it was this purification process that was required in the law. And if you look in verse 25 of chapter 2, we see another part of the Holy Spirit present in the birth and right after the birth of Jesus. So they've gone to this purification process, and they're in the temple. And it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and then proclaimed, this is the Christ. Forty days after the birth, this man is filled with the Spirit. He's walking in the Spirit, and he says, the, the Spirit has told him, man, you're going to see baby Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, before you die. And so this man sees it. The Spirit quickens in him. He's like, that is the Christ. Now I can go in peace. See, the Holy Spirit is, is all throughout the Scriptures, Old Testament, all the way into the birth and after the birth of Christ, all throughout. And I think it's safe for us to conclude that the Holy Spirit was a key and vital component to the birth of Jesus, the birth that we call Christmas. I think it's safe for us to say there is no Christmas without Jesus. But I would venture to say there is no Jesus in the flesh apart from the Holy Spirit. Because how could Jesus be born of a virgin if it wasn't the Holy Spirit who conceived in him? So today, as we're thinking about Christmas and all the things of this, I want us to recognize that the Spirit had a vital role. And if he had a vital role in Christmas, what kind of role did he play in the rest of Jesus' life? And why does that matter to us today? That's where I want us to go. And so if you've got your hand out, point number two is the Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' ministry. The Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' ministry, and, and the three things that I believe that the Spirit did in Jesus' ministry, he prepared Jesus, he conceived Jesus, and he empowered Jesus. Prepared, conceived, and empowered. And we just talked about the first two. He prepared through the prophets. Even John the Baptist, he prepared the way through the, the prophet of John the Baptist, filled him up with the Spirit. John the Baptist knew that the Messiah was coming. He said, there's one greater than me coming, and he's not going to baptize you in water, but he's going to baptize you in what? With the Holy Spirit and with fire. So we see the preparation was made for Jesus' ministry. We also see that he was conceived, and we just talked about that, that the Spirit was what conceived Jesus in the womb of Virgin Mary. But then also we see, and what I want us to, to unpack a little bit, is that it was the Spirit that empowered Jesus' ministry. Look at chapter, chapter 3. Of Luke, verse 21. Now all the people were baptized, just like we did this morning. And when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So we have a beautiful picture of the Trinity. We have the Father in heaven saying, this is my son. We have Jesus receiving the word, you are my son. And then we have the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus and resting upon him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit coming out. A beautiful picture of the Trinity. And what we see here is before Jesus started his ministry, before he went out to proclaim the kingdom of God, he was baptized and he received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then if we just fast forward a little bit further in your Bible, chapter 4, verse 1, look what happened very quickly after that, uh, Jesus' water baptism. 
It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Now, now here, this is huge. We're talking about Jesus, fully God and fully man. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Full. And not only was he full of the Holy Spirit, he was also submitted to the leading of the Spirit. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus, walking this earth, who was fully divinity, also fully human, he submitted himself to the leading of the Holy Spirit as he started his ministry. And then we know that he went in, he was tempted in three specific ways that we know of and maybe some other ways. And after 40 days, it says that Jesus returned in verse 14 in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Did you see that? Jesus, filled up with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, before he ever goes and starts his public ministry. So, so he leaves that time, and then Jesus goes to the synagogue. He goes to church, like you and I would go to church. How cool would it be if you rolled into here and Jesus was walking beside you? And on this specific day, Jesus was going to read some scriptures. And specifically on that day, the scripture reading was Isaiah 61. And so we see in verse 18, Jesus stands up, the scroll is written out, and he begins to read this in front of everybody. So amazing. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind, to set the liberty of those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then the scripture says that he sat down in verse 21. It says that he began to say to him, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So, so Jesus is saying, the, the prophet Isaiah in 61, what you're reading, what I just read, I am the one fulfilling this prophecy. I am the one that's been anointed by the spirit to fulfill the call of God in my life. And so we see throughout Jesus' life, his birth and his life, that, that he was filled with the Spirit, that he walked in the power of the Spirit to heal the sick, to heal, to work miracles, to extend love. All were done in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question for you, church. Just listen to me. If the one we say we follow walked in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I need to walk in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to be able to follow him and do what he did? I think that's the question today. Is if Jesus was anointed, if Jesus was empowered, if Jesus was filled up with the Spirit, how much more do you and I, sinners, it's me at least, how much more do I need the presence and the power of the Spirit propelling me, taking me on, to fulfill what God has called us to call, to follow after Jesus. And so the last point in your notes there, point three, is what is the Holy Spirit's role today? What is the Holy Spirit's role today? The Spirit prepares, conceives, and empowers us to follow Jesus. And you say, Derek, that's the same thing you just said about Jesus. That's what the role of the Spirit was in his life. You're right, because it's the same Holy Spirit. See, the same Spirit that, that was upon Jesus empowered Jesus, gave Jesus uh, the connection with the Father, is the same spirit that we have been given as followers of Jesus. And, and so he prepares us, conceives us, empowers us. Now, I'm not going to have time to go through all these scriptures. Uh, and so I, I want you this week to take this in any scripture that we didn't get to this week in your quiet time, real easy way. If you're like, I don't know where to read the Bible, you just go here and read some of these scriptures and you wrestle and you say, well, what is this saying about who God is? 
What does this say to me? What does it mean about me? What does that call to uh, apply in this? And so the three things, that, that the Spirit prepares us for Jesus. And what do I mean? We know in John 16, what is the Spirit's role? To glorify Jesus first and foremost. The Holy Spirit lifts up Jesus above everything else. So if you're saying I'm operating in the power of the Spirit and Jesus is not priority number one, it's not the Spirit of God just telling you. Also the Spirit, not only does he lift up Jesus, he also draws us to Jesus. So, so the fact that you are here today is the work of the Spirit in your life. Because 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says that no one can say that Jesus Christ is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. See, if you have any desire to know Jesus in your life at all, if you have any desire whatsoever, it's a supernatural thing where God has placed his spirit and he's wooing you. He's calling you home. So Jesus not only lifts up the name of Jesus, he also calls us to him. And then we also see that the spirit conceives us. See, that's what we're hearing in John 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Some of you would remember this and this, this spiritual or this religious leader comes to Jesus and he says, hey, how do, I, how do I step into the kingdom? How do I find life? It's a great question. We all should wrestle with that today. How do, I, how do I have eternal life? He asked this question and Jesus says, if you want life, you've got to be born again. And he probably had that moment like Mary said, mind exploded. How do I enter back into my mother's womb? That's not going to be physically possible, right? And what's Jesus tell him? No, 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 you, you missed the point, Nicodemus. You're a smart man. I know you are. But here's the spiritual meaning behind this. You've got to be born not only of water but of the spirit of God. So, so our rebirth, our coming new, our being a new creation in Christ is done to us by the Holy Spirit. We are born of the spirit. We are made new. We are new creations. You see, what Jesus did for us, the Holy Spirit puts in us. That's, that's the role of the Spirit. He makes it effectual in our life. We know that Jesus loves us, and guess what? He makes the love of the Father effectual in our life. We know that Jesus has set us free from sin, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to not have to live as slaves any longer. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He prepares us, he conceives us, and then we know that he empowers us. He empowers us. That's why when Jesus was getting to the end of his life, he gathered up his disciples and said, hey, guys, I'm going to be leaving. You, you know all the things you need to know. You know the, the right things to say. You've seen me minister. You've seen me pray. You've seen me preach. You know all these things. You know up here what to do. But do not, do not, do not leave until what? You've been given the power and the promise of who? The Holy Spirit. Don't do it until you have the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power and presence that Jesus walked in. That's why in Acts chapter 1-8 it says that you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses both locally here in Cyprus, Texas, a little bit bigger, and then to the ends of the earth. That's what you're going to do when the Spirit comes. And so we see the Spirit empowers us to follow after Jesus. He forms us into the images. He gives us the power over sin, over our selfishness, over our pride. This is what the Spirit does. He conforms us into the image of Jesus. And you say, Derek, what, is that, what does that look like? What does that look like? I want you to turn to one last passage here. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. And I think this gives us some insight this morning. What do we do with this? What do we do? So, so Acts chapter 2 uh, is the Holy Spirit, the promise has been given and poured out. The Holy Spirit's been given fully. And Peter gets up and preaches a sermon that I could only wish to preach. He, he just laid it out, laid out full truth. And in verse 37, we see the response of, of the people that heard his sermon. Uh, 
verse 37 is, Now when they had heard this, they were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And listen, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say gift. Gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last thing you can write in your notes here, there is that the Holy Spirit is a gift for all believers. It's a gift. As we accept Christ, as we step into the kingdom, we're given a seal, which is the Holy Spirit, for our future inheritance in eternity. So we all, if we're following Jesus, if we've confessed our sin and received his forgiveness, we have been given his spirit as a gift. Now, how many of you know Christmas time, uh, we buy lots of gifts, right? Anybody else buying gifts for kids in the room here? Anybody else shopping for kids? A couple of people? Um, here's what I've kind of come up with, uh, the response of kids when we buy gifts. Uh, especially when you've got little kids and they have no social filter on them. This is what kind of happens. Number one, I I buy a gift and I I give it to my kid and they receive that and they unwrap it and immediately I see on their face, um, ugh. No hidden agenda there. And they take that gift and they set it on the side. And they never play with it again. They have it, they received it, but they never engage with it. That's number one. I don't know if that's ever happened to your house. It's happened at my house several times. No, number two happens is that they open up the gift that I give them. They receive it. They, they open up the gift, and uh, they take out the gift, and, and, and they're so excited. But they don't use the gift the way that was intended to be used. They use it for some other way. They don't get the fullness of what I wanted them to experience. They get another thing. And, and oh, by the way, sometimes the packaging is a better gift than what's in it. I don't know if you've ever spent $100 on a, a package I mean, on the gift, but the package is what they want to play with. I don't know. Has anybody else ever experienced that? The kid, like, they play for weeks with that little box. It's a ship. It's an airplane. It's a house. It's everything. But my gift that I gave them sits on the ground because they don't want to use it. They want the box. And, and then sometimes we buy a gift for our kid, and they're excited, and they're enamored. And it's like, it's amazing. And then a week later, we find it under their bed, and they don't even remember they have it. It's put back here. And maybe your house is like my house. You know, springtime comes around, mama starts going on a rampage. And she's like, hey, you haven't played with this gift in, a, in two months? You better play with it. I'm going to give it to the kid that really wants it down the road. Anybody else ever said that? Or, or it's, this is going to be in goodwill, like in a minute. Like, I'll do it. You better start playing with that gift. So some of us get enamored by gifts, and, and then we get kind of uh, apathetic to it, and we kind of set it back, and, and then we forget about it. And then there's, there's moments when the stars align, though. When we have put in the effort and we bought the gift and our kids, they see that gift and they receive that gift. And they are blown away with gratitude and they look at it, they set it down, they come over and they give you a big bear hug and they squeal with delight. And they look at me in the face and they, Daddy, thank you so much for getting me this gift. And not only do they play with it for that day and that week, but a year later when I'm getting ready to buy Christmas presents again, they're still infatuated and playing and engaged with that gift. That's, that's our hope, right, as parents. And I think, though, that many of us look at the gift of the Holy Spirit in the same terms. See, some of us, we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we've come into relationship with Christ. We, we've said yes to Jesus, and we received the Holy Spirit, and we unwrap it, and we're like, yeah, not so much. And we take the gift of the Spirit that we have received, we have, and we kind of put it on the back burner and say, I, I'm, I'm, I've got Jesus, I've got my ticket to heaven, like I'm good to go, Right? So some of us are there. Some of us get the gift, 
and we open it up, and we are so excited, but we do not engage in the gift the way it was meant to be engaged with. We end up playing with a box and not the gift. We, we get so sidetracked uh, of the charismatic, the spiritual gifts that we love prayer language and we love prophecy and we love all these things, which, by the way, are amazing things in the kingdom. And they're meant to be. I want these things to be present in my church and in my life. All those things. But, but if we just get so enamored by the box, all the peripheral things, we can miss out on what the spirit role is really to be. And that's to conform us into the image of Jesus. So some of us are, are there this morning that we are playing and using the spirit in ways that was never intended for our own selfish game. And then some of us, when we came to faith, we came to get to know the Spirit, and we were reading our Bible. Man, we love this. We're praying. We're fasting, like more than just breakfast. And, and uh, you know, we are so on fire for Jesus, so on fire for the Word and prayer and worship. I'm raising my hands. And then time goes on, and our hearts grow cold. And life happens, and the gift of the Spirit, which was once enamored me and engaged me, I've now taken and put on a back burner. Got the Spirit, but the Spirit's not part of what I do every day. And I think today we need to ask the question is, is where are you with the gift of the Spirit? You see, Jesus, he came and he said, I'm going to leave, and it's better that I leave so I can send you the Spirit. So that not only can he live with you, but he's going to live in you. So today I want us to ask the question as we're looking at Christmas, what is the role of the Spirit in your life today? What's your interaction with him? And I think if you really want to know, like, how do I know where I'm at with the Spirit, I think there's two things that we can know. Number one, the Spirit is always going to draw us to Jesus. We, we see this in the Christmas story. Who was drawn to Jesus? The wise man. From afar, the Holy Spirit was working, coordinating. God and his sovereignty was working at all. People were drawn to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so today, if you're sitting here saying, I don't know, am I walking with the Spirit? Am I engaging with the gift of the Holy Spirit? you got to ask the question today, do you love Jesus today more than you did a year ago? Is there something in your life that's drawing you to the word of God to say, man, I just want to get to know God. And so even if I've got to turn off the TV, I'm going to read my word. I'm going to wake up an hour early just to get in the scripture, just to pray. Is there any urgency in your life to be with God? Are you being drawn to Jesus today? Because that's what the spirit does. He draws us to Jesus. And so if you're sitting there today and you're saying, I, I, I would say I'm not drawn to Jesus. I just show up to church because it's easier for me to keep showing up than not to show up then maybe the Spirit is not at work in your life and you've put that gift on the back burner. Maybe. So number one, are you being drawn to Jesus? Because that's who the Spirit is. He always draws us to Jesus. And number two, what does your worship look like? You see, when the, when the wise men, they were summons and, and they were drawn to Jesus, what does it say that they said they were doing? They were going to see the Christ baby in order to worship him and they gave him gifts to honor him. So I think our, our worship is a good kind of gauge of, of what is the Spirit doing in our life. And now when I say worship, I don't mean doing this. Anybody can do this, like, right? I mean, anybody can walk in here and say, yeah, praise Jesus. But, but worship at its core is our response to who God is. And worship, true, genuine worship. Now listen to me, church. This is, this is important because this goes way beyond our worship service here. True worship always leads us to obedience. Every single time. We worship, and that leads us to obedience. 
And so today, if we look at our life and we just have a real frank dialogue and an honesty to say, over the last year, is there more obedience in my life than it was a year ago? Do I hate sin more today than I did five years ago? Am I more like Jesus today than I was a year ago? See, I think we have to ask these questions. That's why it's so quiet in here. Some of us are squirming in here. And listen, I'm not telling you to question your salvation. I'm not. But but I am asking you is what does the fruit of your life look like? Because I know a man or a woman who is walking with the Spirit does not give in to the desires of the flesh. A man or woman who is walking with Jesus is drawn to Jesus or walking with the Spirit is drawn to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you're not a sinner. Not at all. So don't hear me. There's no perfect people in here. Me, number one. But what I do know is a man or woman who is walking with the Spirit of God, when they sin, guess what they do? They ask for forgiveness. They repent. They're quick to recognize, oh, God, that was not of you. I I ask you forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. We are growing in appreciation for the mercy and grace of God in our life. So with those two questions, where are you at today? Are you being drawn to Jesus? That's the only way to work the Spirit. He he can only do that. I can't do that. And, And what does your worship look like? Do you see a track record of victory over sin and temptation? Do you see any work of the Spirit to make you more into the image of Christ? I think we need to ask these questions because this is what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be Father-focused and filled up with the Spirit. And so as we pray today and as we close, uh, I I want us to really just think about that question, and then I want us to respond appropriately. To be honest, in a room this size, with this many people in here, there's a, a very likely chance that there's some people in this room where you don't know the Spirit because you're not in the kingdom of God. You've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never confessed that he died for you, that he raised from you, that he loves you, that he's willing to forgive you. You've never said, God, I I, I see you as my Savior, and I want to receive your forgiveness, and I want to become your son or your daughter. I want to know what it's like to be part of the family of God. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I don't want to be a slave to this world anymore. Some of us in this room, you have not done that. And today is an opportunity where if the Holy Spirit is stirring in you, you've got a burning, you're like, man, I feel like that's me. Then today as we stand up and as we worship, this is what I want you to do real clear. I want you to say no to fear. And I just want you to step over. And and Robbie and I are going to be over in the access corner or whatever you want to call it. And we would love to pray with you. And so if that's you today, your heart's burning, you're like, man, I I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of the Spirit in my life. Then, Then you come over here. We'll celebrate with you. But number two, there's a lot of believers in this room, right? A lot of us are believers. But the reality is a lot of us, our hearts have grown cold. That, that if you answered those two questions about are you being drawn to Jesus, uh, what's your worship look like, you would be ashamed to tell your community group or your pastor. Here's the great news. When we recognize apathy and complacency and sin in our life, what's the scripture tell us to do? You confess it. First John says that he is faithful and just to forgive all of your sin. Jesus said that you being evil, speaking about us, every one of us, you being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit for all the ask? So today, if that's you, you say, man, my heart's grown cold. I don't know this Jesus guy. I feel like I'm just going through the motions. Then you come forward, and we're just going to ask no prayer ministry today up here. We're just going to clear out this front, and if you just want to come forward, and you and God, you kneel down, you stand, whatever it is, you say, God, I I confess my sin, and I want you to forgive me. Would you relight a fire in my gut? Will you relight, will you make me alive again? Will you give me your spirit? Because you promised to, and so I want to receive it. So we ask today in faith that Jesus said, I already will do it. 
And so if that's you today, man, both services, we've had people down here just before God. Because you don't need a pastor to talk to God. Amen? That's what Jesus came to do. He's our mediator. You come and you confess your sin to God. And you ask him to light a fire in you. So that this Christmas season, you would not miss out on the gift that Jesus gave. The gift that he sent, which is the Holy Spirit. And we pray with you. Father, thank you so much that you loved us, that you sent your son. Jesus, thank you so much that you loved us, that you died on the cross, that you raised again, and that you said it's better that we have the Spirit of God with us and in us than just having you in the flesh. And so, Lord, I ask that you would pour out your Spirit. Lord, that you would give us a spirit of courage here, that you would convict our sin, that you would encourage us, that you would empower us. Holy Spirit, only you can turn hearts to you. And so, Lord, anybody in this room that does not know you, I ask that you would pull the strings of their heart, that you would burn inside them, that they would say yes to you. And anybody else, Lord, that you would light a fire again, that your Holy Spirit would be in us to empower us, to empower our church, to make us lift high the name of Jesus at Advent and every other time of the year. In Jesus' name.